Welcome to Beyond the Lines. I'm your host, Jason Davis. You can follow this podcast on Facebook at Beyond the Lines Podcast, on Instagram, Beyond the Lines Podcast, and also on Twitter at underscore Beyond the Lines. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for a show topic, you can email me at btlpodcast213 at gmail.com. This episode is sponsored by Samify Crafts. If you're looking for that unique and special gift for a birthday, holiday, wedding, or any other event, go to SamifiedCraftsShop.com. They're your one-stop shop for all your gift needs. They specialize in custom gifts at an affordable price. Not only will you find great gift ideas on SamifiedCraftsShop.com, you'll also find all of your Beyond the Lines podcast t-shirts, tank tops, water bottles, backpacks, and other merchandise. So go to SamifiedCraftsShop.com to order your merchandise and gifts. You can also follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Samify Crafts. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So here in episode number 46, I will be discussing mental health awareness. So now let's meet this episode's guest. So my guest today to talk about mental health awareness is Dr. Melissa Tate Scruce. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for being here. So this is a topic that we've talked about before, mental health awareness, and it's a topic that is very prevalent in today's society. And I think it's something that we need to continue to talk about and see what we can do to kind of help each and every person that's dealing with this tragedy when we talk about mental health awareness and things that people go through. So I'm glad to have you on the show to talk about that. Yeah, I'm honored to be here. It's definitely a hot topic these days. I think throughout COVID and throughout the pandemic, it became a very prevalent discussion about how do we take care of ourselves in every way possible, not just physically, not just protecting ourselves from germs or bacteria, but also how do we take care of ourselves emotionally. So I'm honored to be here. That's actually a great point that you made about not only protecting ourselves from germs and in pandemic, but also how do we protect ourselves physically and mentally as well, and particularly with the pandemic and so many people going through so many different things, whether it's job loss or what have you, they've dealt with a lot of mental health issues during the pandemic. So that's a great point that you made there. Yeah, I think the pandemic has really shone a light on the inner struggle, the personal struggle that we have, and also our family struggles and and really magnified how we spend our time when we're not able to spend it the way that we spend it, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> no, absolutely. It does. So we're, we're going to take a step back here for a second. Yes. So when we talk about mental health, what does that really mean? Great question. Good basic question to start with. So historically thinking, we used to think of mental health as an illness or this isolated problem that only a specific subset of people were going through. And now I think what we're recognizing is that universally, we all have some emotional intelligence that we're trying to figure out here. We're trying to figure out the different emotions that come our way, whether it's sadness, whether it's anxiety, whether it's just being especially nervous about things, whether it's anger, it could be grief, it could be associated with family, it could be associated with friends, it could be associated with school. It's really the universal experience. We all have emotions. And so it's a universal experience that I think is a little bit more accepted to talk about these days. But at the end of it all, mental health is a universal experience of how we experience emotion in tandem with the different life experiences that we have. 
Absolutely. And one of the things that as I was doing research and, and reading up on it, that I, I know myself didn't really think a lot about it. And I think most people don't think a lot about it. Talk a little bit about the physical aspect when we're talking about mental health awareness, because there's a physical aspect that most of us aren't aware of. By physical, you mean like the biomedical piece? Absolutely. Yeah. So basically our mental health, it, it begins with our nervous system. It starts in the brain. Our brain communicates with our spinal cord. Our spinal cord is attached to every organ that we have throughout our body. So if you just think about just general nervousness, we get butterflies in our stomach. Sometimes our hands get clammy. You see people bobbing the knee or picking at their fingers. We have different nervous tics. Those physiological mannerisms that we see on the outside are a manifestation sometimes of the thoughts and the worries and chemical imbalances, chemical reactions that our brain is having to the thoughts that are in our mind. So our mind and our body, our mental health and our physical health are absolutely correlated. You see medical conditions that are correlated to mood disorders, diabetes and cancer. I've had an extensive experience talking to veterans who have fought in various wars and World War, Vietnam War, even in Afghanistan. And they recognize a tremendous difficulty in not just when the loss of life associated with combat, but also when their physical body has been altered in some way that they now have to find a new normal. So I say all of that to say that our physical health and our mental health are heavily correlated, but the mental health side has been so stigmatized that it hasn't always gotten the emphasis and treatment that it needs. Absolutely. And I'm going to touch on that stigmatized portion of it in a little bit. But uh, Mental Health Month was established in 1949 to increase awareness of the importance of mental health and wellness and to celebrate uh, the recovery from mental illness. In those 73 years, I think in the last 10 years or so, there has been an increase in awareness of mental health and wellness. What more can be done to improve mental health awareness and really bring this epidemic to the forefront? I think what has been really pivotal in recent years has been different celebrities, athletes, really prominent figures in society who have talked about all different range of mental health issues. You've seen Michelle Obama talk about difficulties with fertility yes. and um, how, how that was a difficulty. Beyonce's talked about issues with fertility. You've seen Michael Phelps talk about issues with ADHD and anxiety and substance abuse. We've seen Naomi Osaka and we've seen recently Simone Biles with the Olympic yes. Games and them pulling out for their own self-care. So I think those are really pivotal moments in mental health history, so to speak, that have really allowed people to humanize the experiences of anxiety, ADHD, dyslexia, fertility problems, all Mm -hmm. sorts of things, running the gamut, depression. We've seen, I almost hate to bring it up, the situation with Will Smith and Chris Rock and all of the speculation of what was going on. You know there's something deeper. This wasn't some isolated, random incident. There's always something deeper that's going on behind the psychology of our behaviors and our actions. And I really think that's brought it to prominence. Naomi Judd took her life from mental illness as well. Yes, she sure did. And so heartbreaking. I think they said she was 76 years old. 
But her daughter, Ashley Judd, her statement, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it was something about the day that she died by suicide. It was the day before she was about to be inducted in the Hall of Fame for country music. Mm -hmm. And her statement was so powerful because she said basically the admiration that the country had for her wasn't louder than the voices inside of her head that told her that she was not good enough or something like that. And that is just such a powerful example and a powerful statement about the gravity of mental illness and the, the gravity of mental health. Yes. This internal conflict that's happening inside of you as the world sees other things. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I think on the flip side of that, I think it speaks to the fact that all the fame in the world still does not prevent someone from suffering from mental illness or any other situation. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Because what we're seeing these days is a trend in what commonly is called over-functioning depression. Historically, you think of depression as sadness, doom and gloom and despair, withdrawal off to themselves, isolation. And that's the depression, more of like a major depressive disorder that a lot of people can identify. It's when someone has the dream job, the money, the accolades, they're still able to go to school, they're still able to work, they're still able to be a high-performing athlete, or they're still very prevalent in society that we don't quite understand because it seems like you've got it all, right? So we're seeing that around the country as well, is which is really diagnosed as a persistent depressive disorder. So it may not keep you from functioning and accomplishing things, but there's still this internal struggle of despair. We're seeing what is being called deaths of despair related to just the heaviness of the heart and the internal struggle, internal voices inside people's heads. Now, whether those are actually hallucinatory voices or just the internal dialogue, the internal self-talk that is really keeping people heavy hearted and difficult to see outside of that, the light of hopelessness. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Anxiety disorder is the most common form of mental illness, but only about one third of the people choose to get help. Why do you think that is? I think there is, whereas historically it's been stigma, now we're seeing less of that. But I also think it's just misinformation. People don't understand the accessibility of mental health care. They don't know that you pay a copay with your psychologist or therapist, just like you pay a copay when you go to the doctor's office for a regular physical. Mm -hmm. We are a very hurried society. Yes. So people don't always make time to do the maintenance checkup of therapy. They think if they're in therapy, they have to take medication. If they're in therapy, they'll be in therapy forever. So there's a misinformation around what therapy looks like for on a tangible basis. Gotcha. National Institute of Mental Health states that approximately 8% of American teenagers already have an anxiety disorder. Yeah. Why isn't there more of a national outcry to help these teens with anxiety disorder and other mental illness situations? Oh, this is a tough one. I think our adolescents are overexposed. And by that, I mean, when I was a teenager, and I won't say how long ago that was. 
<laughs> Ten years ago. <laughs> Ten years ago. We'll take that. <laughs> but there is so much overexposure at the fingertips of our adolescents. And I don't know what kind of teenager I would have been if I could see everything with just a few clicks of my fingertips. You can see what your friends are doing. You can see what different celebrities are doing. You can Google anything under the sun. And so I think some of the anxiety comes from just the comparison factor of my life versus your life, what you're doing, what I'm not accomplishing, what you're accomplishing. There's a lot of comparison that I think is feeding a social anxiety and an inner belief system that what I'm doing is not good enough. Yes. Even if you're doing awesome. My awesome is not as good as your awesome. And so I'll never reach your awesome. So that sucks. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And and I'll take that to athletics. I've coached youth sports for a number of years. And the last few years that I coached, I couldn't tell you the number of kids who have said they have saw this person on Instagram or this person on Snapchat doing this and doing that. And so they feel as though if they can't do what the person they saw do on Instagram, they're not going to try it or they're not going to do this because they may end up on social media. So I completely understand 100% what you're saying about that. Yeah, absolutely. We're just overexposed as a society. And whereas there's something purposeful and powerful about social media, it could also be equally detrimental and degrading to someone's spirit if they're not emotionally intelligent enough to be able to decipher those emotions. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what are some of the signs and symptoms parents and coaches should look for to determine if their child or athlete is suffering from mental illness? I think we have our bad days. We we all have a bad day. But I think a bad day on Monday, if it's starting to filter over into Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, it starts to filter over into other areas of the life. So not just I had a, a bad game last night, but a bad game turns into I don't feel like getting out of bed. I didn't study for my test. I don't care any self-degrading comments. I'll never be good enough. Of course, look for tearfulness or again, the comparison of themselves to other athletes. So I would say really be cognizant of how they're, not just whether they had a good day or a bad day, but how they're responding to if they had a good day or a bad day. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, absolutely. I understand completely what you're saying. Yeah. So back in August 17th, 2021, uh, on the episode there, we talked about mental health and you brought it up a little bit earlier about Naomi Osaka and Simone Biles and some of the Olympic athletes and professional athletes that were suffering from mental health and and had to walk away. Since then, we've also seen more athletes kind of come out and say, hey, I'm dealing with some issues. I need to take a step away and take a break. Mm -hmm. From a sports perspective, what can be done to improve an athlete's mental well-being and to destigmatize mental health. I think just as athletes are required to have physical examinations on a regular basis, that they should also have mental health examinations on a regular basis. I think, especially for a high caliber athlete, that they should have monthly mental health exams with a sports psychologist or with a therapist to make sure that their mental health is also handling the physical and emotional demands of their sport. 
Yeah, I completely agree. And you did mention that before. And I think it's a great point that you brought up that there's something to be said for athletes also getting a mental evaluation before going into sports and particularly those high level professional athletes, because those are the ones that we're seeing coming out. And I think it's a good thing that they're coming out and mentioning that they have some mental health issues, because I think, again, as we talked before, it's a trickle down effect. So a young kid or someone maybe in high school says, okay, my favorite athlete or this professional athlete in this sport is suffering from mental illness or entertainer is dealing with mental illness issues, Mm -hmm. then it's okay for me to mention it as well. So I think it's very important that those who are in the limelight come to the forefront and mention that because it is a trickle down effect for it. I also think that coaches need to also be aware of the emotional impact they're having on their athletes. Yes. So I think emotionally intelligent coaches can groom emotionally intelligent athletes. And so it also comes with the responsibility. And I say this from the perspective of I coached high school sports for a while, volleyball, basketball, and track. And I'm a psychologist, so I'm being completely honest here. I don't know that I was always in tune with or accommodating to the emotional health of my athletes. I agree. I don't know that I was. Matter of fact, I look back on some things and say, I could have done that differently. Mm -hmm. And so I think it just behooves the coaching professionals that sometimes coaches have even more impact on their athletes than a parent does. Yes. Yes. And so I think they carry a tremendous amount of responsibility for young people and in the lives of young people and encouraging young people, allowing them to make mistakes. I had some rough coaches back in the day, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) I had some rough ones. But in the benefits of athletics is that it builds self-esteem and it teaches resilience and perseverance and that stick to itiveness, right? Yes. But on the other end of the spectrum, you could also be the seeds or the beginnings of your mental health difficulties when it comes to performance anxiety or social anxiety and comparing yourself to others or the beginning of a depression if you feel like you're just never going to be good enough. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I get yeah. you 100%. So finally, what advice would you give to young kids and teenagers who may be struggling with anxiety or other mental health issues? Say something. That is the simplest way of saying it. I think there is something really powerful about being able to release your internal anxieties or your internal struggle in the form of words. In essence, you're allowing a release of energy that comes with having a difficult conversation. Yes. That is the primary block for the healing process is to have a difficult conversation and have a difficult conversation with an adult that you trust has your best interest in mind. Yes. And will be able to make decisions with you to get better. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more you know someone that is suffering from mental illness or you may be suffering from mental illness yourself, you can reach out to people to get the help that you need. You can call 800-273-TALK. That's 800-273-8255. Or you can text MHA to 741-741 to seek help. 
Also, you can go to one of the many websites such as www.nami.org or www.mhanational.org to find resources for help. Yeah, I also encourage along with that, the market's probably over flooded with help for mental illness or mental health. But I also encourage parents to get the support that they need to be able to support their children. And sometimes children respond to the adults around them. So if they see that their parents are open to hearing things or open to go to counseling with them, open to talking about things and doing things differently, it really does add some relief to the stress that youth athletes might be experiencing. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Well, Dr. Melissa Tate-Scruz, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking about this. This is a topic that, again, as we've talked before, that we need to continue to, to talk about and bring it to the forefront and see what we can do to help others get over those mental health issues, whether they're athletes or not, whether it's a child, whether it's a parent or anyone for that matter. It's an epidemic that we need to really get a handle on and continue to discuss. And I think that goes a long way with destigmatizing the situation and helping others come forward as well. Absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. And at this point, I don't think there's a person in the world that couldn't benefit from a conversation with a mental health professional, particularly adults who were once children that were told not to talk about how they feel. Yes. You know, so so um, you'll see the manifestation of that in other ways. It affects marriages and relationships and financial decisions and all of that. So recognizing the way that you were brought up was difficult for you, therefore, not to recreate that cycle in other people. So I think this is something that adults and children alike could benefit from. Absolutely. Well, again, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking about this. And we'll definitely have to get you back on again to keep this conversation going. And hopefully we can reach out to some people and help them out as well. Absolutely. I'm honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Once again, I'd like to thank Dr. Melissa Tate-Scruz for joining the show. If you enjoyed this episode, I ask that you share it with a friend. If you enjoy this podcast, I ask that you subscribe from your favorite podcast directory. And as always, thanks for listening. Take care.